Hello and welcome everyone to the comic multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet and this it's kind of a special episode because it's something Matt and I have been talking about doing and bringing back for a bit and the planets all kind of aligned because there was shit all to talk about in the news this week so we're kind of bringing back Cape TV which was our special TV show we did for a little bit. Yeah there was, wasn't like anything of note. In you know, news, what news in comic books and movies, really? So yeah, there was little stuff like I mean, there was talk. Of, what is it? Gambit got a release date, but who cares about that? <laughs> and it got like, wasn't it like Valentine's Day? That's like where movies go to die. Yeah. So really. yeah, <laughs> unless your name is Deadpool, there was Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor leaving the Harley Quinn book, but that was bound to happen at some point. Yeah. I am excited to see what they do next. Tom King is going to be writing a special Swamp Thing one-shot. Uh, okay. Sure. I, 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 I liked it when Swamp Thing showed up in Batman for a little bit. That was fun. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a really good standalone issue. I hope that continues. I'm actually probably more interested in what Tom King has to say about Swamp Thing than I've been interested in what Tom King has to say about Batman for a little bit. Exactly, yeah. His Batman's not very good. <laughs> it really isn't. And, like, there was a point where I think people would yell at you for daring to say that, but I think after War and jo uh, War of Jokes and Riddles, I think a lot of people have turned on it now. Yeah, yeah. I feel a little safer saying that. Now, also this week, Matt, I noticed for two weeks in a row, you and I have been coordinating shirts without even trying. I Yeah, yeah, yep. We wore blue two weeks ago. We wore black last week. Please tell me we're not wearing the same shirts this week. No, no, I got my um, I got my Del Cooper Twin Peaks shirt on. Oh, good. Oh, good. We didn't coordinate outfits this week, everybody. It's fine. <laughs> I, I guess before we even just hop into TV proper, though, one kind of story that I'm sure people want to get our opinions on, and if we don't get it out now, we might not. Uh, they dropped the New Mutants trailer just recently. Yeah, it looks like a pretty good horror film. It's not a it's not a comic book movie, it's just a horror film. No, I'm like, wow, that if you literally if you cut the ending off and didn't say new mutants or didn't say the word mutant, people would have no way of knowing it was an X-Men movie. Exactly. If you, yeah, if you just sh showed the trailer before like after the Marvel logo at the start comes up, they were saying, "Oh, what's this new horror movie? Is is this Insidious Chapter 5? Yeah. What what's going on?" I think it's a perfect encapsulation of everything that Fox is currently doing wrong and kind of doing right with their superhero properties where it's like, "Look, we have no fucking idea what we're doing with these. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. We're just throwing anything at the wall. Sure, we'll we'll make Deadpool a weird romantic comedy with a bunch of dick jokes. Sure. We'll make Wolverine some weird post-apocalyptic western thing. And yeah, you know what? We have this great script sitting around for a young people horror movie. Can we put the new mutants in that somehow?" <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like. They had they had like a, a spec script for like a, a generic horror film, and it wasn't doing well or something. So, oh, we'll just change all these characters to the new mutants. They're new. They're hip. Because why not? It's it's very it's very diehard. Because like no diehard movie after the first one was actually supposed to be diehard. They just had mm -hmm. a generic action movie script, and they're like, yeah, but what if John McClane was in it though? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, hey, could, could be good for them, could be bad for them. I mean, again, I think this has about as much to do with the New Mutants comic as, like, I don't know, I have to do with a Stairmaster, self-deprecating fat joke. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it, there are parts in it that 
apparently were from the comic. Like, they're, I'm not too really familiar with the New Mutants, but there was some part with, like, a coal mine or something that people said was from the comics right. that was in the trailer or something. And, yeah, I don't know. We got that girl from Game of Thrones because we got the other sister as the Phoenix, so we're just going to get all <laughs> all the Game of Thrones actresses we can get our hands on. <laughs> Actually, no, that's double true because Domino is Daenerys' little handmaiden, so there you go. They're just going through all of the actresses of Game of Thrones. Is she, I don't think Domino is <laughs> the same actress in that. I think they're different actresses. Isn't it? Am I, am I crazy? Am I, uh, am, am I making shit up again? Like uh, last week I thought uh, John Boyega was in Black Panther when it turned out he was only rumored to be in Black Panther. I think so. I think you are. Am I crazy? Am I crazy, Matt? <laughs> Have I finally gone crazy? Am, am I in the crazy mutant insane asylum? Is that my power? I'm crazy talk? I just say shit that's not true? <laughs> is that who I am now? Look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the thing. I'm going to look this up is what I'm going to do. Just, I, just to make I, sure. I am 100% sure that it is not her. I am 100% sure. I'm 100%. <laughs> I, I will take all the hundreds together. And then I we'll am. see. Totally, totally, one hundred percent sure it's not the same person. Okay, we're we're getting close. We'll, we'll figure this out. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah, we, yeah you're right. Yeah, I don't see Game of Thrones. <laughs> so I'm crazy talk. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. All right, fair <laughs> enough. But they did have Peter Dinklage, technically not an actress, but there you go. They they are working through the cast of Game of Thrones. <laughs> My joke still stands, technically, Your Honor. <laughs> Just different characters. Different characters, but kind of. <laughs> we, we, we live in a world where you don't have to be right anymore, Matt. You just have to believe in your gut and, <laughs> and just say crazy things, and people will choose to agree or not. But yes, so uh, on that note, everyone, a lot of... There was a big week for TV this week in comic book uh, town. In fact, I would argue it's probably the biggest time for comic book TV as it stands right now. It feels like there's a show on every night now because there basically is. They're, yeah, I, I knew that the, the DC TV stuff moved like for like two shows a night. I think, yes, or like, they have. like it was like Supergirl and Flash or something, and then or Supergirl and Legends and Legends, and then Arrow on the other night or something. I don't know. They moved them around, but we do once Agents of Shield gets back. There's like a show every night, basically. Yep. It's, uh, it's going to be nuts, and so Matt and I have watched just about everything that's come out. I know we talked a little about these in the previous, ep or in the previous episode of the Comic Multiverse, but I figured we'd go through these in, like, semi-night order. We talk about how we feel, and we kind of give them, like, a little, little, little report card, is what we'll call this, for uh, what we've been watching and what we've been liking and what we hope to see. Yeah. So I guess I'll let you go first, Matt, because you're obviously the resident super expert. Uh, Supergirl came back for season three, and their first episode back was called Girl of Steel. Yeah, so this picks up, I think it was like six months after. They usually go real time, these mm. shows, from when the last episode of the last season aired. It was a pretty good episode. Supergirl fighting blood, uh, blood sport. Bloodshot, right. Bloodsport. He's a he's like a D-list Superman villain. But, um, there was a lot of that on the CW shows. Yeah, and um, she's also having to deal with the fact that obviously Monel left mm. Earth because he couldn't survive on Earth after the season finale, um, and she's got to sort of deal with being either Supergirl or Kara Danvers. I was about to say Kara Kent. Um, <laughs> she's got to be one or the other, and she she's choosing the, the Supergirl side a little bit more 
and she's kind of shutting everyone out classic super dilemma and and Bloodsport, he he he's a real super villain in this. He's got like a submarine that fires missiles oh, and nice. all all this stuff is he's like classic mustache twirling super villain. <laughs> which uh, which Bloodsport is he? Because there's two. There's like kind of a Hispanic looking guy with a red bandana, and then there's like another dude who has a white costume and an iron cross. Um, I think he might. I think they kind of changed a little bit because he's African-American in the show, but okay. I think he's meant to be the one with the red bandana. Okay, so he's think... the first guy. Okay, he's the first blood yeah. sport. He's, he's Dubois yeah. is who he's supposed to be, not Trent. Yeah, um, uh, we also got a new villain. Uh, Morgan Edge is oh. now going to be a villain, and he's played by Adrian Passar. Oh, nice, nice. That's good casting. Yeah, and he's coming in, and he's kind of going to be... He looks like he's going to be, like, the foil for, like jimmy and and maybe cat grant and right. um the suit wearing villain yeah yeah kind of yeah as and because he's trying to like buy cat co and all this sort of stuff and then it ends up that lena luther buys cat co and yeah it, it's, it's pretty interesting episode i might have to watch it again because they also introduced rain oh yes the, they're a the villain. villain yeah but she's not a villain yet she's just a normal person on earth with a daughter and I, I don't know. I don't really know what's going to be happening with her, but I think I might need to watch the episode again. Man, Supergirl, when you tell me all this stuff about it, where it's like, yeah, they got Morgan Edge and Bloodsport, and they got all this other stuff, and I'm like, man, why can't movie Superman have nice things like this? I know, right? It's like I it's know. like it's like, oh, who's Superman going to fight this week? Oh, either like Lex Luthor or Zod, or you know, either Lex Luthor or Zod. I'm like, he has other villains. Yeah. Yeah. He has other villains. He has other scenarios. I don't know. I guess this is just uh, one of the we'll many shoot, ways. We'll just shoot them all in the head like they do, like KG Beast and Jimmy Olsen. There you go. Break their necks, punch them through walls. Yeah. Easy as that. I guess this is just one of the few or one of the many situations where it's like, man, TV for being slightly cheaper, man, TV just lets you get away with more and just lets you do more. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I guess because those villains, maybe they don't have to worry about the movies using them at all. Mm. Like, oh, no one, no one cares about this villain. We'll use them. They'll never get. To, yeah, I mean, you're you're probably not wrong. That probably helps a lot. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's Supergirl. You're you're giving it your seal of approval. You dig Supergirl? It was a pretty cool episode. I, I'm interested to see where this season's going to go because it seems a lot darker than the last season. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, moving on from there to the other big CW show that you and I love, uh, The Flash was this week. Yeah, the, the yeah. Flash Reborn, yeah. which is very close to Flash Rebirth, which was basically the story they were taking a lot of notes from. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I remember when he went away in the Speed Force at the end of uh, season, uh, yeah, it was season three, right? Yeah, it was season three. You and I mm -hmm. were kind of complaining where it's like, oh God, at least it was over, you know, season three of The Flash as much as we like Flash, it hit a bit of a slump, we both agreed. Yeah, and it was probably partly due to the fact they used the same plot the third time again, in a row. Again and again, evil speedster villain, yeah. Hit hit a lot of the same points. We, we kind of took a bet, too, at the end of that, where it's like, okay, how long into season uh, four is it going to take for Barry to actually come back? And the answer is at least half an episode before he came back. <laughs> <laughs> at least 20 minutes at least 20 minutes but they do say he was gone for a long time yeah again like six months or something at, at least six months where it's funny 
Iris, a character who, man, Iris is done dirty by this show. Either she's completely useless, either she's like the damsel in distress with no real motivation, or they're threatening to kill her, or now in this newest season where it's like, okay, how do we salvage her character? How do we give her something to do? Ooh, let's make her a real pain in the ass. <laughs> That's what it's, we'll do. It's true, it's true. We'll have her yell at and pick fights with all the characters we like. How about that? Yeah, for no real reason whatsoever. That'll get her over. That'll make audiences <laughs> like her. Poor, poor Iris, man. It's just every time they try and do something with her, I applaud them for trying. But at the same time, I'm just like, this doesn't work. It's like the it's like the lowest lane sort of situation. Whereas she actually became a character yeah. and actually had a background. You can't really do that with Iris West because she. She hasn't had the kind of background Lois has had. It's, it's funny, too, because it's like as this episode starts off, they're fighting Peekaboo. Hey, another great Johns villain. Nice to see her make a comeback. And it's like, oh, it's taking, you know, Vibe and Kid Flash, everything they have to stop her, even though her only power is she can teleport, so it feels like they should have been able to yeah. stop her quicker, but whatever. And, like, uh, what is it, Iris? She's like, oh, I'm the team leader now. I'm running things back at the office because, you know, Cisco has to be out in the field and Caitlin ran off, and I'm like, oh, well, at least she learned to work the computers in that six months, that's something. But, but then it dawned on me, and I don't know if this hit you, Matt, where it's like, hey, Iris, don't you have a job at the paper? Have you, like, not been going into work for the last six months? I, like, got halfway through this episode, and I'm like, hey, I, Iris is, like, a reporter or something. Like, why isn't she reporting, doing her job? that she gets paid for. Exactly. It's like, do you not have a job anywhere? Furthermore, with, you know, H.R. Wells gone and everything, and, you know, Star Labs not even really being Star Labs anymore, who's paying Cisco for being there? Who's keeping the lights on in this building? Yeah, shouldn't the building be, like, scheduled for destruction or something? Demolition? You would think you, would think you really would. Like, I just imagine, like, Cisco is out there, like, catching, uh, cashing his welfare checks, you know, cashing his unemployment to try and make sure the thing stays running. Did, did they end up fixing it? Because I know they keep, they keep using that shot of it, like, that, like, aerial shot, and it's, like, still got that big, like, explosion hole in it from, like, the very first season. I don't think we got to see the exterior. No, we didn't get to see the exterior this episode. So for all we know, it's still fucked up. <laughs> yeah, because because for the longest time, that was like one of my main complaints. Like, you, you, yeah, you couldn't just you know spend a day to like fix up the building a little bit. I I, I guess maybe he asked for a loan from Felicity and the show Arrow. Hey, can we have some money? <laughs> oh Jesus! We're we're keeping you relevant. Can can we have a little money, please, to fix this and keep the lights on? <laughs> keep keep the internet connected, please. Because <laughs> he talks about like their satellite and shit. I'm like, you guys are still running satellites too. Yeah, he, he takes he takes pride in knowing that he owns a satellite. Yeah, that How do you own a satellite? That cannot be cheap. <laughs> now they've just been skipping meals. They all have to share the same cup of ramen noodle. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, so the whole thing of the episode is. Uh, Cisco, he's been working on a way to bring Barry back because, of course, he have, and Iris is mad at him for this. Yeah, I don't really know why. She's mad at him, but at the same time, she's missing him. I, I guess the idea is supposed to be she's like, oh, well, I I've, I've put my, you know, I put Barry behind me. I've moved on. You know, I don't want to tear the Band-Aid off that wound. But it's so clear you haven't, though. Yeah, yeah. She's still staying in their apartment and... 
Yeah. Always thinking about him and everything. Yeah, you can't tell us you've moved on when you haven't really moved on. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And this leads to an oh-so-classic Flash moment that, again, happened way too much in Season 3, and it's a trope I really hope they put to bed. The, how dare you do this behind my back, Cisco? I thought we promised we'd all be honest with each other. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god. Yes, yes, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't want to bring back my friend. Yeah, really, I'm like, oh my god, we're 20 minutes into this and we're already fighting over who's not talking to who anymore. <laughs> god damn, but again, that's that, that, that's really all, like, it, none of that really mattered, because of course they were going to bring Barry back anyway, but to do that, he needs to re-recruit uh, Caitlin back into their ranks, because she, she left, because she was trying, you know, deal with her whole Killer Frost uh, split personality. Yeah, and I, I don't really care for that story at all. It seems like, really? So all it took for you to get your split personality under control was go work at a bar for six months, huh? That was that was it? <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah. And you didn't kill anyone else in this time? They do imply that maybe she joined like some sort of metahuman gang or something, but yeah, that's all it took. And it's funny, the, the actress, I love the actress who plays Caitlyn, but it's funny, like, this is her idea of, like, oh, I'm bad girl Caitlyn now. I work in a bar and I have a leather jacket. <laughs> it's like that's, a, that's like a running thing on the CW shows whenever something like that happens. It really is. I'm a darker version. I have a leather jacket and my top <laughs> is slightly skinnier than my other top. <laughs> That's, it's so funny, but also kind of adorable, too, because it's like, yeah, that is what Caitlyn's idea of being what a badass would be, just like this really lame, like, Nickelodeon school bully. <laughs> I am tough now, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, one thing they did actually manage to fix is Grant Gustin, to show the passage of time, actually grew a real beard. Yeah, not, not like that one yet a couple of episodes in in last season or the season before that 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 was an obvious prosthetic yeah not not that pencily wispy piece of shit beard that he had before <laughs> he, it's it's still patchy and looks really uncomfortable on him but the baby face boy grew a beard for real <laughs> He grew it because they needed to stress that, you know, all that time in the speed force has messed with his head now he has speed force dementia yeah, yeah, and, and he does that by drawing inhuman symbols on the wall. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, drawing Phil Coulson symbols. To, to uh, Grant Gustin's credit, I did buy his insanity thing. He did sell that quite well, and maybe this yeah. is just me, but all that shit he was saying, those are lines from other episodes, right? I'm not crazy? I, I think so. I know that they explained it as, like, he had some, some type of brain damage where, like, the word he says isn't the word he actually means yeah. or something. Like, he could be saying, help me, but he's saying something completely different. Yeah, they gave a very long explanation. Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't really want to go back and check it, though. Yeah, it, it sounded to me like he was saying lines from other episodes, and it's funny, even in his crazy delusions, <coughs> he drops reference to Oliver and Arrow, and I'm like, really, CW show? Even when he's crazy, he's got to drop <laughs> reference to Arrow? Yeah, well, at least he didn't drop reference to Felicity. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's okay. Although we so, talk, she's the key. She's the key. We we will talk about Felicity though when we talk about Legends. But let's stay here <laughs> on Flash for a little bit. Uh, the villain of the piece was very unexpected. It's one of Baron Katana's samuroids, some of the very weird ass Flash villains that no one remembers. A really cool villain. I'm very cool. I like that. I'm like, you know what? This is what I like, CW. I like it when you go weird. I like when it's like, yeah, we're going to take a samurai and we're going to build a whole episode about them fighting a samurai that's a robot. 
Yeah, a flying robot that has jet wings. <laughs> that has a jet. Yeah, that's what we're it's gonna. Awesome. Do. It is awesome. I'm like, you know, this is this is what season three was missing. It was missing yeah. cool shit like this. I enjoy the monster of the week, super villain of the week thing. Yeah. We kind of got away from that in the previous season because it felt like everything was like, oh, hey, it's uh, it's Savitar. Oh, hey, it's an evil duplicate from another universe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that we're getting back here now. Uh, it, it, it's funny. Uh, it's like Iris read ahead in the script because she's like, look, I know how to get Barry back to himself. I will just put myself in danger and he'll have to come and save me. Yeah, that, that's a very big gamble. It's a huge gamble, and it's funny she does it right in front of her dad too. And I half expect the dad to like, Dude, "Honey, we did we did not talk about this. You did not clear this with the rest of the team." <laughs> yeah, Jay's fine. He's got his, his big metahuman capture gun. That's awesome. Jesse L. Martin must love the fact where it's like, okay, so what do I get to do this season? Walk around with your big metahuman gun, sweet. <laughs> yeah, shoot people with it. And it's funny, none of the other cops are like, hey, Detective West, that, that isn't police issue. I don't think you can go around shooting people. Well, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you don't care. <laughs> are you going to tell the man with the big science fiction gun that he can't shoot people with his big <laughs> science fiction gun? I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, it all ends in a big fight at a wind farm, which I actually thought was a pretty cool place to have a final showdown. It's a pretty cool place, but I just couldn't help but saying, like, why Why does Flash have to dodge these? He can move faster than them. And, and they made a point just before that to say he's moving faster than he ever has before. He's moving faster, than, which hopefully the fact that he's moving faster than he's ever moved before means we won't have to build a huge chunk of this season around. You need to get faster, Barry. You gotta get faster. Oh, I, I hope not. Well, he's not fighting a speedster this season. He's fighting the Thinker, and we got to see the Thinker right at the end of this episode. We got a stinger with him. Yeah, it look, looks pretty cool. He looks like one of the Borg. I like that. Yeah, it looks like the Borg crossed with Met Metron. That's fine. That's fine with me. That's basically all the thinker is in the comics. Works for me. Yeah. So yeah, that was Flash Reborn. Was alright. Off to a pretty decent start. Iris was grading in points, but it's clear the writers don't know what to do with her. Yeah, I hope the show doesn't fall back into the slump, like in seasons 1, 2, and 3. I, I think the fact that they're not doing a speedster villain, which hopefully means we're not going to be doing an Well, they can't be doing another mystery villain plot, because we already saw who the villain was in episode 1. That, that's what I also liked about they They didn't hide the villain. No, it, they just said, like, here he is. He's this guy. He's going to be... Around. He's going he's gonna to fuck with Barry for the rest of the, the, the year. Works for me. And we got Elongated Man coming up. We got, like, more crossover potential. I think they said they're going to do some more stuff with the rogues this season. Basically everything I want to hear. Yeah. Also, he's got a new costume, which is <coughs> yes. basically his comic costume. Yes, it looks great. I can't believe it took four seasons to get there, but it looks awesome. It does. Because it's like, I, I get that when he started the costume, like, oh, it's a prototype costume. It's supposed to look shitty. He's not there yet. Yeah. Good. After four years, he's there. <laughs> Finally. It's a much better costume. Frickin', what is it? Arrow went through multiple different costumes before he got an upgrade. Oh, uh, God, remember his first costume? God, that was terrible. I unfortunately do. It was a skin in a lot of the video games and still is. <laughs> so, yeah, from there, uh, from Flash, which was, you know, pretty good, not mind-blowing, but what I wanted it to be, to a show that's premiere ultimately blew away all my expectations, and that is Legends of Tomorrow Season 3, <laughs> Episode 1, Arubicon. Uh, this was a great episode. This, wow, man... 
this this episode was so surprisingly good, it made suffering through the first two kind of shitty seasons worth it. Yeah, and I, I think it's partly due to the fact that they've kind of figured out that, okay, people aren't taking us seriously, so we're not going to take it seriously. We're going to have fun with it. Yes, it is. A, this is a perfect, like, young writers out there take note how one little simple shift in tone can change everything about a show. And it works with these characters as well. It really, really does. It picks up exactly where last season left off, and that is, oh, hey, the legend saved the day but ended up totally breaking time. What else is new? (laughs) Yeah, they always fuck up. (laughs) They always fuck up. And uh, Rip Hunter, who promised them where it's like, okay, I'm going to go and try and reform the Time Masters, he did only instead of being like some sort of weird Firefly Doctor Who Council of Time Lords thing... Now they're like the Men in Black, only they're the Men yeah. in Blue. Yeah, they're like X Files, Men in Black sort of thing. But they 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 even have like the 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 neuralizers. They do, which is a total rip off. But I'm fine with it. Yeah, the <laughs> the Time Bureau, this stick up its ass, like you know, total office space thing that you know tries to fix time and everything, but they do it as snooty as possible. Even Rip Hunter has a new douchey like corporate haircut. I love that they yeah. cut his hair. But it's his organization, so he made himself cut his hair. <laughs> <laughs> and their deal is like, look, legends, you guys fuck up too much, we're taking it from here. Which they have every right to, because they have fucked up every step of the way. They aren't very yeah. good. But yeah. the, but the show gets that and the show runs with it, and the first five minutes had me cracking up because we get to see the legends trying to work day jobs. <laughs> that was great. That was so great. Ray Palmer was, like, working at, like, a tech startup that's, like, was it, it's, like, holistic Facebook or something? Yes, <laughs> where he's he's twice as old as everyone else. Then they're like, look, man, you may have been, might have built some amazing shrinking technology, but we're the future. We're now. Also, you left your company in the hands of some woman who ran it into the ground. And I'm like, mm, that's funny for two reasons. One, you're making fun of Felicity and Arrow, so you get two thumbs up from me. Two, you're calling out the blatant sexism of Silicon Valley. Also, two thumbs up for me. That joke works on multiple levels. <laughs> Freaking uh, White Canary is working at a Bed Bath and Beyond, it, and you're like, well, "Why is an amazing assassin woman working at Bed Bath and Beyond?" And they're like, "Look, you've technically died and come back from the dead twice. You're lucky you get any job anyway." <laughs> you're a person who's been reported dead twice. And I'm like, oh my god, the weaponized self-awareness of this show is great now. <laughs> it's completely different from the last season. Yeah, the fa- once they embraced the fact that their heroes weren't heroes and that they sucked, they actually managed to make the show great. Because as we find out, Rory uh, Heatwave ends up running into frickin' Caesar, who just walked out of nowhere. Yeah, well, on a beach or something. Yeah, in Aruba, he was the one guy who made it to Aruba like he promised he would runs into Caesar, knows there's a problem, and they keep trying to tell the Time Bureau that there's a problem, but they don't believe them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're that bad at their jobs. Yeah, and just like that, for the first time in three seasons, I'm actually sympathetic to the Legends, because this is the one time they were actually right. Yeah, it's great. They, they made the heroes heroes again. Oh, heroes for the first time, basically. Yeah, and all it took was saying that they're complete and utter jokes. <laughs> and to the point where they're where even get, the, 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 I was trying to think of a perfect way to sum it up. I would almost say it was Deadpoolish, but that's not even it. 
It's almost no. like it's almost like Jack Sparrow ish, where it's like they just fuck up their way into things and end up fixing the situations by fucking up. Yeah, it it, it pretty much is a Jack Sparrow situation. Again, it's comedy of errors via time travel in a comic book universe, and I'm like, dope, all about it now. Yeah, it's great. I'm super excited to watch episode two now that they actually know what the show is and what it should be. And, yeah. and, and they even have, like, great exchanges, too, where it's like, well, what if we told you, you you couldn't have the Wave Rider back and you couldn't keep being heroes? Yeah, we'd do it anyway. Yeah, I like what happened to the Wave Rider as well. It's become basically, like, like one of those flight simulators. Yep. And they even make fun of past episodes and how they fucked up, where it's like, okay, well, how do we save this satellite? Okay, well, we send an away team, and we do this, or we could just shoot the meteors and be done with it. <laughs> In our thing that has guns that we forget we have. <laughs> so great, just being like, yeah, you guys did everything wrong. And this this was all stuff you and I were complaining about in the first exactly. seasons that made they us listened. crazy. They listened, and they've made the show self-aware of itself. It really does feel like they listened to old episodes of Cape TV or just what people were saying about them <laughs> online in general. And they're like, okay, you know what? We're going to own this now. Yeah, yeah, and they have. They totally have. And now that they say we don't have to take the character seriously anymore, now that they say, look, they're jokes, but they'll save the day anyway, now they have a blank check for Mayhem. Now they can literally do anything and all accept it. Exactly. Exactly. Man, what one little change in tone can do for your show. Exactly. And hopefully, like, the other shows as well will take note of that as well, especially Arrow. Yeah, I doubt Arrow will. Look, Arrow got this far by being completely self-serious all the time. <laughs> I told myself I'm going to watch this season of Arrow. I haven't even watched the first episode yet, but I know it's like some bullshit yeah. stuff with Earth, Earth 2, Canaries, and yeah. whatnot. Ha- haven't watched it yet? Don't plan to, because I never watched <laughs> Arrow. Well, actually, you know, I, I, I forced myself to watch the first half of season one, and I'm like, this is grating. No matter how good it gets, it can't possibly justify this. <laughs> But hey, from uh, from the old DC standards to uh, some of the new players in the ring, Gifted was back for its second episode this week, and it was called RX. Uh, get it? Because it's like a medication thing, because the episode was about getting medication, and apparently every episode of this series is going to have X in the title somewhere. I kind of fig- figured it would do something like that with it's the first cute. episode. It's cute, yeah. isn't it? Look how many X's we can put in. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't mind this show. It, as we were talking about it last week off air, and we kind of compared it to like one of those early two thousands, yeah, like teen drama sort of things. Like that were if on. this had come out the same time as Heroes, like this would have blown the yeah. walls off people. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it really is the same type of show. You know, like Mutant X or like Heroes or like all this other stuff. The only thing it really has going for and the thing that, you know, elevates it is that it is X-Men and it is characters and shit we know for the most part. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Characters no one cares about, but people that people know about. I'm like, oh, hey, it's that one. I'll tell you, the the bit in this episode that I really quite enjoyed is we see Polaris, who got arrested in episode one and is sent to jail. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, cool, ladies' prison, but with mutants, it's like Orange is the New Black, but in Marvel, I like it. (laughs) <laughs> she, uh, she 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 has a sexy shower scene where she like washes her hair, and you know like all the dye comes out and you see like oh 
oh, her hair was all green. Because when I saw Polaris at first, I'm like, oh, really? She doesn't have green hair? She just kind of, like, dyes the ends of it? That's lame, but very TV. I'll buy it. They totally they totally switched it up on me. Yeah, they, they do a lot of stuff like that. And I know, like, with Polaris, because obviously Polaris is Magneto's daughter, mm-hmm. um, apparently they're going to be exploring that relationship later on in the season. Once they get past all, like, world building and stuff like that. All the getting to know you stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, too, you know, it's a big problem at the Mutant Underground headquarters because Blink got hurt, and now she's, you know, opening portals every which way, and they got to get some medicine to help her out. It, it was kind of interesting because it gets into the nitty-gritty stuff that the movies could never do, and really only the comics ever had time to explore, and that is, in a world with mutants, how do hospitals, especially crappy American hospitals, deal with servicing a whole other group of people with amazing abilities who would need different types of care? Yeah, it, it's something that's never really brought up in anything, really. It's kind of touched upon in comics a little yeah. bit, but yeah. Yeah, never really thought about it. I haven't even thought about it until no. this episode. No, neither did I. I'm like, that's a clever place to build your episode around, actually. And it's funny, the uh, the woman, her name escapes me. She's she's the woman, the woman strucker, the mom strucker. I, ha- I haven't learned any of their names yet because it's only episode two. She rides along with Eclipse. Yeah, see, his name I know because he's someone from the comics. <laughs> she she rides around with him and basically it's what is it, it, it it's it's a get get your human privilege checked road trip is what it is she's just getting her privilege checked all over the place being human <laughs> lady you don't know how rough it is out here for mutants and she's like i don't i'm a yuppie soccer mom this is all new to me people are being <laughs> oppressed out here what <laughs> I didn't know this was happening. CNN didn't tell me this. Yeah, really. Fox News didn't tell me this. I'm part of the problem. What? <laughs> <laughs> Even when the doctor takes her aside, there, it's like, look, ma'am, are you, are you in an abusive relationship? Is that mutant hitting you? <laughs> Wait, what? Microaggressions? What? <laughs> <laughs> so funny and then even by the end where she's just like oh I, I gotta get my kids back I gotta help my kids from that like you know very soccer mom helicopter parent thing to the oh no you guys watch my kids I gotta help this woman in need I'm like okay that's character growth that's an episode arc is what that is that's good writing yeah yeah it, it's it's pretty solid show especially for what like, when it was first announced I was like eh, yeah. really really Again, I, I stand by what I said, that this show, exactly as it is, if it had come out like 10, 20 years ago, we'd been like, oh man, that was a fucking masterpiece. Oh yeah, yeah, it'd be top of the line, like, top 10 TV shows probably. It, it, its greatest problem is that it came a little too late in its own life cycle. We, uh, mm-hmm. we also kind of glimpse, I think, who's supposed to be the bad guy. Or at least the overarching villain, because, you know, we have the Sentinel Services guys who are going around trying to round up all the mutants. We see, like, a like a creepy doctor guy in a lab coat, and, you know, in the X-Men universe, if you have a lab coat, you're probably pretty fucking evil. Uh, Dr. Campbell, who I think that's supposed to be Ahab, I think that's supposed to be. I think, I guess so, maybe. I, I know Campbell is, like, a very common surname, but I'm just like, okay, Marvel, X-Men, Campbell's, yeah, I think, like, Dr. Campbell, Ahab, who was, like, yeah. a follower of the apocalypse, and he had, like, a frickin', uh, what is it, like, a hook? He, he was a nautical-themed mutant villain, he was weird. <laughs> they can't, they can't all be Magneto. 
No, no. Also, this episode, too, when they were talking about all the different mutants groups, they're like, yeah, you know, the X-Men and the Brotherhood. They mentioned the Mutant Liberation Front. That was interesting. Yeah, they're kind of pulling from everything Which now. Mutant Liberation Front, that strife and a bunch of time-traveling mutants. I wonder if they're like, hey, we got Deadpool and Cable coming out soon. Let's, let's drop a little reference to strife in here. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, wouldn't that be nuts where it's like, hey, you see Strife on TV first? Yeah, I, I am glad as well that, that it's not like, it doesn't fall into that, that DC TV thing where they have to constantly reference these heroes that people know, like, hey, you remember the X-Men? You know, you wish Wolverine was here. He would have known what to do. Yeah, the first two episodes have been very non-reference heavy, which I appreciate. I mean, mainly because they can't be reference heavy because we're probably never, ever going to see any of those characters. Although if we do, they'll probably do it, as you were saying, like how uh, Legion did Professor X, and we'll see a shadowy silhouette of him. Yeah. When does Legion come back? Does Legion come back this year or next year? That's a good question. Uh, I, didn't they say Legion was going to take a little longer to come back? Oh, I, I thought, like, the season, like, season two had already been made or something. Yeah, or, I, it, or, it, or it was, like, partway through being made by the time, like, San Diego Comic-Con was around. Uh, 2018 it comes back. Okay. I remember you and I were a little not put at ease because they're like, yeah, you know, Legion Season 1, people really seem to enjoy, and we did a bunch of comic book stuff. Yeah, for Legion Season 2, we're going to be doing our own thing. <laughs> to where I'm like, oh, oh, what was it so popular now you have wanted to spin it in your own direction? Or did you use up all the material you didn't think you were going to get a Season 2? And you're like, oh, come on, what do we do now? I would just we'll trap him on a farm like I'm Walking Dead. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that that works. Trap him there for a whole season and find out what he was actually looking for was in the barn right next door. Even though the timelines don't add, add up at all of how that could have worked. <laughs> that's that's a great way to save money. <laughs> that won't annoy people. That won't make people stop watching. No, not why? I, I mean, really, like Legion was so good on its own and such like a weird experimental art piece. I don't know what you do for season two. I don't know how you top that. She completely reinvent the show and just go like standard, like have that really weird season, then come back to like standard TV format I mean, just to throw everyone off. I mean, they could do that. And Legion is such a mind fuck show. They could absolutely do that. Like they could reintroduce the show and you're meeting like David again. And you're meeting all these characters you've never met before. And it's a completely different, like now it's a workplace comedy, but all the same <laughs> actors show up. Yeah, they could do that and it'd make complete sense it would where it's like okay well this is just fucking weird this is all just a creation of his mind and you never know if it's real so you're absolutely right yeah. they could totally screw with the genre this is david's workplace comedy persona yeah exactly this is this is him when he was really trying to make it as a comedian in new york and this was him really working hard on his tight five <laughs> this is him when he binge watched the office on netflix and then every couple of minutes you just have like some weird david lynchian shit with like the clocks turning backwards and a bunch of really interesting color theory and you don't know what year it is and no one ever tells you <laughs> That was one of my favorite things about Legion, where you legitimately didn't know what year anything was taking place in. No, it looked really good. It was a really good show. Because you had, like, women with these big beehive hairdos, but you had people on cell phones, but then you had, like, people in 70s suits. It was it was really interesting like that. Yeah. Real mindfuck. So, so yeah, Gifted. Gifted's pretty cool. I, I have added Gifted to my watch list. That, that airs Mondays, and, like, I, I will continue to watch Gifted. Totally, yeah. 
Good, good job, Gifted. I know we talked a lot of shit about you before you started, but I can say you actually, uh, what is it, met my ex- met and exceeded my expectations in many ways. Totally, yeah. Now, another show that I think a lot of people shit on, us including in the first episode, but I think it's actually managed to come a very long way. I think it aired like its fifth or sixth episode this week, and it's a show I don't think anyone expected us to talk about, but fuck it, it's our show, it's TV time, let's talk about it. The Orville. Oh, God, the Orville, man. Orville's so good. How is the Orville so good, Matt? Like, <laughs> literally. Like, you're, like people are, like, probably thinking, they're fucking crazy. They're talking about the Orville? I didn't watch that after episode one. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. <laughs> I put episode two on the background while I worked, and then I actually got into it. Then yeah. I watched season, or then I watched episode three, and I'm like, holy shit, I think I'm a fan of this now. Yeah, it it's, it, it's Star Trek The Next Generation, but... Single camera cam- comedy, yeah, basically. But with dick jokes, it has all the same big ideas because clearly that's what appealed to Seth MacFarlane, and it, it's better too because like it is like an ensemble show. Like one of the things that you and I shat on about episode one, where it's like, oh great, here we're watching, we're watching Seth MacFarlane self insert, self jerk off show <laughs> where he gets to be Captain Kirk, just like he did in A Million Ways to Die in the West and all this other stuff. But then you watch episode two and it's like, oh. Oh, he wrote himself out of this for like 60% of it. Oh, yeah. God, it's actually focusing on the other characters. Oh, God, the other characters are actually really fascinating and really cool. Yeah, he, he built these characters up really, really well. Like, you got like the, uh, his, his wife, who's a pretty interesting character, yeah. who, who I hated at first because of what she did. Because we were um, supposed to. Cle- clearly, yeah. McFarlane based that on some relationship that actually happened oh, yeah. to him. That, that felt all too real. Oh yeah, like this. This this is clearly also him working through getting cheated on at some point. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you got you got his friend, the pilot. Oh yeah, the drunken pilot who actually kind of kind of had a focus episode this week. This week's episode was called Krill, and we got to learn about what are essentially like the big evil aliens of this series. You know, they're they're Klingons, they're Romulans, they're you know what have yous. Yeah, we, we saw him in the first episode, and we didn't see him for a long, long time until this episode. Yeah, where we actually learned their deal. And, you know, very very fittingly and very Seth MacFarlane-y, they're a group of, you know, outer space, you know, religious fanatics. Yeah, and, and it works perfectly. It does. You know, it's funny, because, like, I was thinking of this, and I was thinking of Star Trek Discovery and how they showed, like, the new Klingons on that show. I'm like, oh... So both shows came to the same conclusion, and that is, okay, what are we going to do for our villains? What if ISIS but in space? <laughs> I like both shows. <laughs> and they executed it in two different ways. Two very different ways, yeah. Yeah. Two absolutely different ways. So basically, yeah, Seth MacFarlane's character, uh, Ed Mercer, and his pilot buddy, uh, they have to, what is it, basically go undercover within the Krill ship to try and steal a copy of, like, their their Quran, their Bible, their religious book. Because the deal is, you know, the Federation stand-in of this show knows nothing about the Krill. They're, you know, a very, very locked-off race. You know, nothing goes into their space without getting shot down. So they don't even really know their own enemy. Yeah, yeah it, it, very, very next generation. I could see, like, like Picard and, like, Data doing something like this. Oh, yeah, it's it's very Roddenberry. But, of course, you know, you get a bunch of dick jokes there with, like, what are your names? Oh, God, we don't know any Krill names. Uh, Chris and Devin, yeah. <laughs> Those are strange names, but all right. <laughs> 
And of course, uh, what is it there? Like a very Captain Kirky sort of way, you know, they meet a female Krill and they start hanging out with her and she's actually quite nice and goes against all the stereotypes that they've built up in their minds about what the Krill are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good episode. It was it was a very smart episode. And then, like, it turns again where it's like, haha, you know, funny, misunderstanding comedy. Then it turns into a bit of like, okay, well, we got to destroy this ship because they got a doomsday weapon on it. And they're going to turn it on like, you know, a peaceful colony. Oh, shit, they have Krill children aboard this ship. How do we stop them without hurting the children? And then, you know, like, uh, Ed Mercer's character thing, you know, he did like a big, uh, you know, big guy hero thing. That, you know, he saved the children and he won the hearts and minds only for the Krill lady to be like, no, you idiot. They're going to hate you even more now. You just created a whole new generation of Krills who are going to want to kill humans. Exactly. It's so Star Trek. It is very. I'm like, wow, that's for a comedy. What a downer ending was that? What (laughs) balls did that have to actually have like a downer make you think ending? A lot of the episodes have kind of been like that where they make you think a little bit more than you actually should. I mean, shit, this show, I think we might have talked about it last week, they did they did a whole episode on gender identity and re, like, reassignment yeah. surgery. I'm like, wow, this is the sort of thing if Roddenberry was around today, this is what he would be writing about. Yeah, and then there was that episode where they went to that massive dome ship and mm. whether the people wanted to come out or not or because it would shatter their views of the world and everything. Also, an episode, too, where there was an evil religious cult that was kind of abusing people, and I'm like, aha, I see what you're doing, McFarlane. <laughs> also, he, he's been able to get some pretty good guest cameos as well. He had Liam Neeson in that episode. Shelley Theron was on last week's episode as yep. the main villain. Yep, uh, uh, Kelly Hugh, I think she was the uh, admiral this week as well. Yeah, Norm MacDonald, he's, he's that blob <laughs> thing. That appears every now and then. One of my favorite supporting characters. Like, yeah, he's he's like literally Seth MacFarlane. He's cashed in all of his chips to make this show. Yeah, and it's paying off. It's it working. And it's like, here's another thing. You're like, huh, an actual enjoyable science fiction series on Fox. Bet they cancel this after one season. Oh, no, wait, they can't. It's MacFarlane. They don't want to piss off yeah. the Golden Boy. Yeah. Shit, shit, Family Guy, American Dad, this was all a lead-up to the Orville so he could trick Fox into keeping <laughs> a science fiction show on for longer than a season. <laughs> he's He's got them by the balls, and I was like, look, you will make my Star Trek revival show. You know, I, I wouldn't put it past McFarlane if he made a joke like that. Oh, I bet. Like, this is all a ruse. <laughs> you're going to make my Star Trek revival show, and you're going to make it literally around the same time as they make the official Star Trek Discovery show. <laughs> What? Why? Well, well, you know what's even funny is is that that Star Trek show was meant to come out like last year sometime or earlier this mm. year, but they went through heaps of delays, reshoots mm. and everything. And in that time, he, McFarlane wrote, made, created this show and it's like better love, than it. Love or hate the man, dude's a machine and he gets shit done. Yeah. Honestly, it was weird for me, too, to like something Seth MacFarlane's done, because I'd, like, washed my hands of him so long ago. I'm like, ugh, Family Guy doesn't do it for me anymore. Ted 2 was a terrible sequel. A Million Ways to Die in the West was just the worst kind of vanity project. 
yeah, I'm, I'm done with everything he does now. Then I watch The Orphan and I'm like, fuck, you're making me a fan again. <laughs> how, how, how dare you win me back, sir? How dare you? <laughs> I, would, I would have been fine just hating you from afar, but no, you had to win me back with an actual pretty cool show. So yeah, if, if you're like us and shat on the first episode of The Orville and didn't give it a second chance, give it a second chance, actually. Yeah, stick with it. The episodes are just getting better and better. They're, They're pure sci-fi. They are. They're some of the purest sci-fi I've seen on television, like basic television in a long time. And also, hey, if you are a Trek fan, they get crazy cool directors too. Jonathan Franks directed an episode, or Jonathan Frakes, however you say his name. Yeah, I think he did the Charlize Theron one. He did. I he think the, the time travel one, yeah. So they're getting actual Trek directors to direct this shit now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like in a couple episodes we're going to get a William Shatner cameo or something. Oh, oh you just know what I mean. Dude, he, that dude will show up for anything, so of course he will. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's something for you, everybody. Now, what was the last show I wanted to talk about here? Oh, <laughs> so I finally got around to watching the two-episode pilot for Inhumans last night after putting it off and putting it off. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> To, my review to perfectly sum it up, uh, I fell asleep with about 15 minutes left in it, so I think that should tell you everything. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's it's a perfect example of how Scott Buck also fucked up Iron Fist, and that is he's concentrating on all the wrong things. He he hates superpowers by the looks of it. He hates like having to showcase that. It's it's kind of amazing how they focus on literally all the wrong things. For one, we leave Adelan way too quickly. Like, we never mm-hmm. get a chance to be like, okay, well, what's the day-to-day like here on New Adelan? You know, what's what, what's the deal here? How does it work? Is Black Bolt a good, thi- a good king or not? It's just boom, boom, hit the ground running. And then also, for the Inhumans, that's mostly a team book, a team thing. You know, it's all the interactions. It's, hey, let's break them up and send them to Earth. Yeah, they, like the episode is on now is when they should have arrived at Earth. No, like like three or four episodes in, not not you know end of the first episode. Yeah, let's break them up. Also, let's go to Hawaii because we want a nice little holiday destination while we're at it. <laughs> it's funny when this episode aired, I said like because we knew they shot in Hawaii because there's like set photos and everything. Doesn't even look like Hawaii. It looks like they they shot on a close set at, in you know like the back of like some Burbank, you know, movie studio. It's, it's a very cheap looking show. Like I think someone, uh, I read equated it to being like, this is like one of those Nickelodeon genre shows only replace (laughs) the genre with Marvel space. And that's what it is. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It does look like Xenon the sequel or something like that. It does look like one of those Nickelodeon single camera comedies that just so happened to take place in space. It it is a very very cheap show. There's a shot in episode three where one of the Inhumans whose powers is like plant based stuff. She like makes a path for them in 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 the jungle, and you can see the strings pulling the plants plants. Apart. I'm like, it wouldn't take much to remove that, but you didn't. Medusa gets done really badly. She gets oh. done dirty in this, where it's like she has her big moment of like, oh, you know, d- get your hands off me, uh, Maximus. Oh, my hair. I'm like, oh, okay, A, you don't have enough hair. Like, Medusa in the comics is just all hair. It's like Spawn's cape. It takes up the whole frame. So you mm-hmm. messed up there. Also, the effect looks really bad. 
it it did it, it and I could see why they wanted to get rid of it so quickly. And then they cut her hair, so you never have to worry about her actually using her powers ever again. Yep, and they don't even bother like like going with like what would happen to her if that actually did happen. Like they don't dawdle on like no. the psychological effects of it of of her having her powers basically removed, cut away from her. Also, the Inhumans speak English, so let's not dwell on that. Yeah, and and they basically are humans, yet they think they're better than humans. Right, because they're from space. Yeah, let's talk about that, the weird kind of supremacy of the Inhumans and the weird, like, caste system. Like, I don't remember there being a caste system in the comics. What's with this, like, Inhumans with powers lord over the other ones and everyone else has to yeah. work in the fucking mines? What? The there, there is something similar to that. in the in the comic at the moment. The Inhumans, Once and Future Kings, it's it's exactly that. There's like the the what are they Alpha Primitives? Okay, so it and, used to be that way, but they changed it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was like a really old thing, and that it doesn't exist anymore. But and I guess that's kind of what they were trying to do here mm. with Maximus sort of leading them to overthrow them, but it didn't really work very well. Yeah, where it's like every man Maximus. And it's like, the problem too, like the show is so poorly written where it's like, well, Maximus actually is kind of making a lot of points here, guys. Like, he's kind of right. Where it's like, no, we need to go to Earth. Our kingdom is not sustainable. And we can't just keep putting a bunch of our subjects into what is essentially slavery. Yeah, and everyone's like, no, no, we can't go to Earth. Earth is, you know, for, for plebs. Yeah, well, well, that will lead to war. I'm like, well, maybe it won't. Maybe you should try, I don't know, pursuing, like, diplomacy. But none of the heroes, none of the good characters ever have any comebacks to Maximus's plan. Like, sure, you could argue it's a bad plan, but at least he has a plan next to your no plan. Well, like, what's stopping them from moving Adelan down onto Earth and just, like, keeping that shield things so they're hidden? Like they Just, like, move it to, like, stars. move it move it somewhere where it's not going to be seen, not going to be heard, and just sort of integrate themselves into Earth. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Also, too, it's like now Maximus isn't an Inhuman because they that, needed that, to give that extra dimension to him that he didn't need. When, when that first came out, I think, oh, it, it's going to be a, like, a, like a switch. He's always had his powers because his powers are the powers of suggestion and he can control what you do. So he's, that's what he's doing with all these Inhumans. It's, it's his grand plan. He's using his powers to control everyone. But no, apparently that's not the case. In the most recent episode, he's just about to go through Terragenesis yeah. again. It's also, too, where it's like, you know, oh, well, you know, he, he needs to have a reason for it. He needs to have a Loki complex to hate his brother. Or, you know, maybe it's just because he's fucking crazy, because his name is Maximus the Mad. Did you miss that part? <laughs> What's wrong with just having a bad guy who, but I'm fucking crazy? The people who, who made this show didn't read any of the goddamn comics. No, that's very clear. It's very clear they didn't. And it's funny, like, the Inhuman show is so not good that, like, it almost makes me reverse my stance on the Inhumans in the comics, where it's like, yeah, fuck these guys. These guys suck. <laughs> To, to actually see them in live action, like, these guys are stupid, they don't know what they're doing, their powers are a crapshoot, no. It's funny as well, because in the most recent episode, Maximus, I think it was Maximus, says like something, oh, our Inhuman powers are so strong, everyone on Inhuman is so strong, I'm like, 
the, the, the Inhumans that 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 Shield has on on tap uh, could could wipe the floor with every one of you. Are much Yo Yo could kill you all. Quake could kill you all. Yeah, exactly. Yo Yo and Quake are way tougher, dude. The Inhuman whose power was he could blow up is stronger than you. <laughs> Mr. Uh, what what is it? Freaking Ghost Rider's nephew there. Uh, what is it? Uh, not not Carter Slade, but the other dude, the dude who could set chains on fire. Yeah, yeah. He was cool. Hive was cool. Yeah, none of you guys are very cool, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, and even like Black Bolt is someone who should should be cool. I feel really bad for the actor who played Black Black Bolt because he. Yeah, he he's like the only one he's trying. He went through. He did. He made up his own sign language and everything for it. He he thought he he was gonna be good in this, but not. Nah. If, if anyone came back, I'm okay with that guy coming back as Black Bolt in some form because he actually looks like he's putting the work in. Yeah, yeah. Lockjaw is cool, but he's a giant teleporting doggy. So how could he not be cool? Yeah, yeah. He he works for the few scenes we see him. Oh, let's let's talk about Crystal here. Why do they keep calling Crystal Princess when she's not? She technically is because she's Medusa's sister, and Medusa's the queen, so she would be the princess. Would she be a princess? Because it's like it's like you're connected, it's, but then... Like, human royalty might be different, I don't know. I it, guess, because it's like, well, if both the king and queen died without an heir, yeah, that technically makes you next in line for the throne, but you wouldn't be, would be the male heir, so that would be Maximus. So, But he doesn't call himself Prince. No, he calls himself King Maximus now. Well, he now. calls himself that now. But yeah, you're right. And human royalty is weird. That's just another reason where I'm like, what? And again, it's something that's not explained at all. And their technology is weird, too. They've got, like, those little wristpiece Power Rangers communicators that are, like, cell phones and everything. They can also yeah. track you, but only when the writers remember they can track you. <laughs> <laughs> It's also kind of weird, too, because it's like Medusa calls Black Bolt. It's like, oh, Black Bolt, please tell me you're okay. Lady, he can't talk. You know this. Why does Black Bolt even have a phone? Man, he would love texting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it can do all this thing, attract them, it can call, and like, but it can't text. It can't text. You would, think, you would think they'd have, like, a special one for Maximus that could text. you think it would. It's like, no, you see, that's the thing, man. That, that's, that's how they get you. There's a special inhuman who deals in cell phones when he makes you pay extra <laughs> for the texting function, and Black Bolt's like, no, 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 the House of Balticon will not pay extra for texting. Is, is that that same inhuman who's basically a walking projector? Oh, yeah, man, dude. That guy really got the shit end of the stick. Proje br bring in Projector! I wish to watch a movie. I I, can't, I think it might have been Mitch who said it or someone else, but it would have been cool if like his power was to project the image into the people's minds, not on like, the wall. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Just making Projector eyes. Jesus, they get the shit end of the stick. That is just a dice roll. A lot wow. of these Inhumans do, like, when they go through Terragenesis, like, like, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you go through Terragenesis, you get, like, the the, the rock, like, in the comics, you yeah. burst out and you've got powers and everything. Same with the one on, on Earth, there's, like, like um, Black Bolt's friend, he breaks out of prison with his, um, he went through that same thing, but when you go through it on on Adelan, you, you you step into a fate chamber and <laughs> and, and, you, and you get fate and then Big step life. out. There's no no rock or anything, even though it's no. exactly the same crystals and everything. Yeah, but why is being an Inhuman lamer on the Inhuman show than it was on Agents <laughs> of Shit? You done goofed at that point. I have no. I, I, the, oh my! It just 
infuriates me because I love these characters so much. Me too, and it's like, man, this could have been great. Man, you almost oh. had a movie until they got Spider-Man back. Shit. Yeah, a movie probably would have done it justice, but this didn't. Like, I, I feel sorry for the people who paid to go see it in IMAX. Mm. I'm glad to say I wasn't one of those people. I was almost one of those people, but I'm glad to say I wasn't. It didn't even look like it was shot in IMAX. No. Like, they did a few, like, slow-mo stuff. I'm like, you can do that with normal cameras. You don't need an IMAX camera for that. Yeah. So, yeah, in humans. Bit of a... Yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, misfire. That... That is, like... I, I was really thinking about it, because Scott Buck, the guy behind this, the showrunner... The other thing he did was Iron Fist, which I equally didn't enjoy. But I'm really trying to think to myself here. I'm like, what was worse, Inhumans or Iron Fist? Well, there were moments in Iron Fist when he was actually doing Kung Fu, and that was actually pretty cool. No one's really done anything cool yet well, in Inhumans. Well, yeah, Inhumans is worse because at least in Iron Fist you can say, well, at least the stuff with Meachams and the drama, well, that was actually really well done. See, I Inhumans think is nothing. Iron Fist. In Inhumans was, was fucking nothing. Yeah, it's it's characters it's like, forget they have powers. Characters aren't allowed to have powers. It, everything looks cheap. Yeah. Well, hey, on the upside, it probably won't get a second season, so we probably won't have to worry about it. Good. Just 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 tell these characters, ah, oh, you're on Agents of Shield now. There you yeah, go. That's fine. That in fact, that's what it should have been. Inhumans should have spun out of like a special two night event for Agents of Shield. Ex exactly. They should have done something like. Like, Coulson runs into that black bolt when he's on Hawaii or something. Here's my pitch for it right now. Uh, Daisy and Yo-Yo get... The, a, a big alien light comes down. They get abducted by aliens. They get taken to the moon because, you know, Black Bolt needed them for, like, a big battle that's going on in space. You know, it's like calling all powerful and humans, oh, I've been watching you. And then, you know, all the other agents have to try get to get to the moon to help them. And, you know, we learn the secret history of the Inhumans and the royal family and everything. And then you end that two-parter with a little stinger being like, oh, I think Maximus is going to betray them. And then, yeah, that's that's your lead-in for it. There, there you go. And it, it would have been perfect as well because the new season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to take place 90% in space. Exactly. Exactly. God damn it. The fact God that, damn it. The fa which, again... I can't blame them. Clearly, this was a project that they'd been hot potatoing for a bit. Like, oh, it's going to be a movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got Spider-Man back. Oh, we'll make it a TV show then. We'll make it an IMAX thing. We'll make it one season. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's... I, you, I know who I feel more bad about than anything? I feel bad for Charles Soule, who spent so much of his life trying to up the profile of the Inhumans in Marvel Comics and make them important again and make them a focal point and make them all this other stuff in preparation for what was supposed to be the movie, then supposed to be the TV show, and now that it's actually here and that it's a fucking misfire, it's like, shit. <laughs> yeah, that, that, it's got to feel pretty bad. But at, le at least he can he can say, well, at least they, they're really good on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and at least he can say, hey, at least my comics were good. If they were to do it right, they should have done it like this. Yeah, but yeah. So that's a that's a little uh, catch up on the TV, everyone that we've been watching. And man, we almost already filled an hour. Holy shit! Damn, damn, that's a lot of time. Do we do we want to talk about a couple comics from this week before we uh, end the show? I think we should. Let's let's talk about uh, Detective and Action and uh, Dark Knight's Metal because those are the three big ones. Cool, cool. I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you talk about Action first because I know you're the Superman. Oh, action this week was pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Happening. 
this this Oz effect uh, story. Just when I think I know where it's going, they uh, they buck I, it a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought I knew exactly where it was going, and then it's like no, psych. It's a little prank. Yeah, psych, psych, double psych. Yeah. Um. So. It's again the kind of battle battle of ideologies between Clark and Jor-El, and I kind of feel Jor-El's kind of saying the same thing over and over again a, a little, little bit. bit. A little bit. I get why he's saying it and everything, and why he has to say it to his son, who's completely no. Humans are good. They're always good. They can be good. But he's like, fuck this. I'm going to go take your grandson. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's funny. You know, this is uh, what's interesting about Jor-El as a bad guy is that it's not like he can just fight Superman because it's like he's not going to hit his own son or anything. So instead he just decides to tire him down by creating a series of like horrible catastrophes all over the world that Superman has to respond to. Yeah, and sort of kind of proving his point as well a little bit. Hey, man. By saying, these people are, are evil, they're horrible people. I, I like we had like a collage, like another collage of human evil. Hey, we got some spousal abuse and some chemical weapons and some, you know, uh, child slavery and child hunger and everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. And I think people are still getting angry about it as well. Like the last two episodes, because oh, why is Superman stopping those those Trump supporters from killing the the, the those obvious Mexican people? Because <laughs> uh, he's a good guy, and that's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't 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 stop these immigrants, Superman. Well, this this was even funnier because we have a guy who takes over the Daily Planet with a gun and a bomb vest, you know, screaming about fake news. Who, Alex Jones? Yeah, exactly. That was my thing. Where it's like, who who could possibly have made this man do this? I'm doing it for Mr. Alex. Jo I mean, Mr. Oz. Yeah, <laughs> he's the one. Everything is fake. Uh, we also got that the woman back that was with him as well. She's she's like, I guess. Mr. Oz's right-hand woman, because yeah. she's she's been around since the New Fifty Two. She was the original one who like delivered the journal to Clark and everything. I didn't know that. And um, she's at some reactor or something, gonna yeah. like blow up Metropolis or something. Yeah. Man, that city can't catch a break. Yeah, she's. I don't know what the hell she's gonna do. Transport Metropolis to this new Krypton or something, mm -hmm. wherever. Cool. Wherever Jor-El is planning on taking John. Yeah, really. The uh, the, the bit with uh, the gunman in the planet was really cool because uh, it was a great moment for both Lois and John. Because it's like, obviously, this is just one fucking wingnut with a gun. John could totally take care of him, but he couldn't without outing himself to everyone. Yeah, so let Steve Lombard catch a bullet for him. Yeah, which is like, <laughs> man, Lombard, you're a dick, but thank you for taking a bullet for everybody. <laughs> and Lois gets to be a hero too and being like look let let everyone yeah. else go I'll be your hostage I'll write your story for you and it's funny I actually saw some people complain about that scene being like oh well that's not good writing for a mother a mother would get her own child to safety I'm like dudes her, her child is bulletproof he was the only one who wasn't in any danger there Yeah, if, if anything she sent John with Perry so John could protect Perry exactly she, she was protecting everybody else in that scenario <laughs> but something about that which really threw me is like when when the the guy was going to blow up the, the bomb Jor-El obviously came and saved Lois I thought maybe they were going to do like that whole thing where he's now taking Superman's place and it's like look I'm the new savior I'm the better one I'll yeah. do what's right and everything I, but they're not going to do that he just did it just because Lois obviously means a lot to Clark and yeah. added, as he said added more to his life Yeah, he and if she, she died he, he would be a lost cause he would yeah he doesn't 
he, he, it's like he wants to show the evils of humanity to his son, but he also doesn't want to hurt his son, which is very true and very fatherly. And the fact that he uses this, you know, masterminded scenario where, you know, little John feels hopeless and everything and helpless because he couldn't use his powers to then, like, kind of ingratiate himself to Superboy and say, well, I'll give you a world where we can use our powers and we can, you know, be out about it and everything. We don't have to hide. Yeah, I, I'm interested to find out more about that world and whether it will stick around after this story because I, I don't know whether it's like like originally I thought oh maybe they're going to go to like the 31st century or something. Ooh. Yeah, they did look very Legion of Superheroes, didn't they? Yeah, I tried to see if like I could recognize any of them, but they all look pretty generic. And uh, I'm thinking hmm, maybe it's that new Krypton that Zod was making. Yeah, that's right. My mind jumped to that too. It's like oh, so we've got another world of new Krypton, a world of newer Krypton. <laughs> Yeah, but really looking forward to finding how this story is going to end. It's ending in two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Has some long-reaching effects, though, that's for sure, because, heck, over in the Detective Comics book, Tim Drake is still dealing with Mr. Oz's prison, and we learn a little bit more about the prison in this issue. Yeah, about the prison and the Titans Tomorrow Batman. Yes, this prison exists outside hypertime, which might explain why we have all these multiversal uh, characters showing up in it. And why we have two Tim Drakes. Absolutely. I think this strengthens the theory where it's like, yeah, maybe this guy is Jor-El, but as you've been theorizing, Matt, it's Jor-El, but not Jor-El as we know him from this timeline. It's a Jor-El from somewhere else in hypertime that they grabbed. Yeah, or, or yeah, something like that, where you figured out how to get into hypertime or something. Yeah, which I which I think is really cool and opens up a ton of ideas. And yeah, this this issue is basically getting you up to speed on the Batman of tomorrow, the evil, more militaristic Tim Drake from another era, and what led him to essentially you know take over Gotham and turn it into a police state. And it was pretty cool. I, I liked the way how they did it. This book as well also is probably like a record setting for like splash pages. Oh, we had yeah. like like five or six of them or something. And they were all beautiful. My favorite one is like Tim Drake explaining like, yeah, when you were young, we didn't want to be Batman, but we fell into the role because everyone else fucked up. Yeah, everyone else, Dick, Jason, Damien, everyone fucked up and weren't good at it. You're yeah. the only one who was good at it. They either left or died young or just went crazy. I like I like how they, they gave Jason the short end of the stick. He didn't die. He like took on a bunch of like ninja assassins and like lost a leg and eye and an arm and, and now he's like a, a drunk hobo. Yeah, which it's like, you know what, that's that's his life in a nutshell, isn't it? His <laughs> life is defined by tragedy. That that is how his life would end, unfortunately. <laughs> there's no good end for jason todd it, it's funny the the bit with uh <clears throat> damien seeks to imply that the future we saw in grant morrison's batman 666 actually does come to pass and damien does become batman but he becomes like a judge dread batman i think it does because isn't that isn't that coming back as well like that that universe coming back in Batman or Super Sons or something. Yeah, it always comes back every so often. They keep drawing reference to it, and every time we see flash forwards to Damien, that's the costume he's wearing in the future. Yep. Which I like to. Someone was actually arguing there, being like, "Oh, you know, we can't, uh, we can't trust Tim Drake's uh, account of these events here because he says that you know, like Damien was going to burn Gotham to the ground, so I had to kill him, and that was my first act as Batman." And someone was trying to argue, like, "Look, you know, D Damien gets the short end of the stick. You know, yes, he was going to burn down Gotham, but that's a lot better than you know taking it over and turning it into a police state." And I'm like, "Well, that's debatable." <laughs> yeah. He 
mass genocide, I, you know, police state, mass genocide. I mean, yes, state. both are bad. We get into a very V for Vendetta situation there where it's like, can you fight fascism with anarchy? But I'm sure if you <laughs> asked the people in Gotham before, you know, Damien lit the match and was going to burn them all, they'd be like, hey, please don't burn me. Police state, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, so he talks about how he came to power and everything. And, you know, Tim has the classic, you know, I'll never be you. I could never be you. Yeah, yeah, but he really is because he can't escape fate. Yeah, and how they, how even though they totally disagree with each other, they're both really smart and they put their brains together to defeat Doomsday. Yeah, in a really cool way as well. Indeed, where it's like, who's someone that Doomsday will hate way more than us that we can get him on to? Oh, Superman. Genius! That's the, that's why you guys are the big brains of this team. <laughs> and then they ended on one hell of a stinger where it's like, you know, Batman of Tomorrow saves Tim, drops him off in Gotham, and says, okay, cool, I brought you back now. You're not going to change your fate, you will become me. But, you know, to make your life a little easier, if nothing else, please say, you know, please apologize to Connor. Of course, talking yeah. about Connor Kent, the Superboy. Yeah, who doesn't exist. Who does not exist. Who, when asked, Tim's like, who's Superboy? Who's who's Connor Kent? And this, like, flips a huge switch in Batman of Tomorrow's mind. Be like, he's not here? You know, it's been, this universe has been doctored. It's been changed. Then there's still time. I can save the Bat family. I can save everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'll just have to kill Batwoman. I'll just have to kill Batwoman, who, according to him, was the reason that the Bat family fell. That she was the one. That she's apparently not the person everyone thinks she is. That's going to be an interesting story. I know. I know that the Batman of tomorrow, he's going to be the villain in that um, Super Sons Superman Teen Titans crossover. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they mentioned the Batman of tomorrow, and they oh. call him that in this. So, oh, yeah. Shit. I mean, yeah, I, so maybe he sets his sight on Superboy and maybe thinking killing John will bring Connor back. Interesting. Very interesting. Because that, that's been like a whole thing throughout DC Rebirth. It's like, man, Jonathan Kent is really awesome as the Superboy. Is anyone going to mention there was another Superboy? No? No? Everyone, <laughs> everyone forgets Connor? Okay, that's fine. I mean, Connor wasn't good in the new 52, so I can't blame you for not talking well, about him. Well, the thing is that Matt Connor was a different one. Yes. That, that, that one wasn't the... Superman Lex Luthor clone that everyone loves that Jeff Johns wrote a really great story this the one in the new 52 was like yeah some really weirdo clone that no one really cared about that they retconned a bunch and he was never good and no one liked him which hey you know what if that if this is their plan if this is all to bring back OG Connor now that they've explained that you know this this Oz prison can grab people from different time and space that's how you bring them back you bring him back and you yeah. don't have to do anything. Just be like, yeah, hey, here's Connor Kent as you remember him. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they do that. Of course, then they'll have to deal with having extra Superboys running around. Oh, they, he can just become like Superman, like another Superman. Sure, we have two Flashes, why not? You can be Superman too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, also, do, are, are you really married to the boy, the Superboy? You're, you're more like super <laughs> teen, super young adult. <laughs> do you want to go by super YA now? YA novels are really big at the moment. <laughs> we'll we'll just call you SB. How about that, SB? Good job. <laughs> uh, but knowing him, he was super no frills anyway. He barely even had a cost. He was like, just just call me Connor. <laughs> 
just call me Connor, that's fine. But then Connor Hawk will come back and be like, no, you can't just call him Connor, because I'm Connor Hawk, what, what now? <laughs> Battle of the Connors. Oh, th there's your next summer event right there. Everyone named Connor has to fight. You got Connor Kent and Connor Hawk and Connor McGregor. <laughs> Spinning out of the pages of Doomsday Clock. <laughs> All the Connors got to get together and fight it out. And meanwhile, over in Marvel, they start printing my Sam League book of, you know, Sam Wilson and, you know, uh, Samson and all the other greats, Sam Alexander Nova. <laughs> Just put all the Sams in there. It'll be great. But yeah, so Detective is cool, and it looks like it's only going to get cooler from here. Yeah. Now, uh, Dark Knight's Metal, that continued this week. This continued to roll on. In fact, this will be the last new issue we're going to get for a couple weeks, because that one actually hit some delays. Uh, this new. was a very Superman-centric issue, which I was not expecting for a book that has been so about Batman. Yeah, well, that, that, that's 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 why I really like this this metal because it 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 is a Batman story, but it remembers that it's also a DC universe story. So you get all these other characters. This one you got like all the League, you got Detective Chimp, Nightmaster, Ooh, all these. How cool was Nightmaster in this? Oh, uh, he was pretty cool until he got sword to the head. But even that was cool. He went out like a fucking boss too. He's like, not in my <laughs> bar, freaks. <laughs> I will. I, Captain goes down with his ship, and the barman goes down with the bar. I, that's funny too, because Detective Champ, Nightmaster, the Oblivion Bar—that's uh, all Shadow Pack stuff. Ragman was on Shadow Pack, and Ragman came out this week too. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet, but I, I've been hearing hearing good things though. Me too. Apparently, it's awesome. It's written by Ray Fox, isn't it? Yes, it is. Who has uh, so always it, been running hot and cold for me, but I want to support him because he's. If there's anything. If it's anything like he's Gotham by Midnight, it'll be great. Well, it's paranormal. So, yeah, this this yeah. looks to be right up your alley. So, there you go. Yeah. But, yeah, Dark Knight's Metal. Uh, we check on in with Superman, who's been lashed to that weird body cross thing we've been seeing from Gotham Resistance. That, you know, the Dark Knights are trying to change the vibrations of our Earth so it'll fall into the Dark Universe. Yeah, so they have a place to live. Yeah, which, like, yeah, makes sense. I mean, if you're an invading force, you want to make it more like the place you're from. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's, uh, that's what they do. It's it's great, too, because it's Wonder Woman who saves him by using the Lasso of Truth, and I'm like, yes, Scott Snyder remembers that's a power the Lasso of Truth has. It makes you tell the truth, and it also breaks all mind control. <laughs> he read the recent <laughs> Wonder Woman books. <laughs> oh, do they use it again like that, too? They use it to break mind they control? Use it, they use it in some really cool ways in the, in the Wonder Woman book recently. It's, it's a great artifact, and people forget it can do more than just make you tell the truth. Yeah. It's also freaking unbreakable. That's also pretty great. Yeah, and I thought that that was pretty cool. And I like that he he's only been there for like what, like a week or something. Yeah, but it felt it's, like three years. Yeah, he's been like battling Barbados over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's great too. We see uh, the Super Sons in one of his visions formed a family band with their big hit "Na Na 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 Na, -na, -na Batman." <laughs> <laughs> they they wrote that. That was them. <laughs> All Wait, that, that the becomes song. the key though that's the key it does again this whole this whole issue has been built around music and indeed this whole event because as we know from reading stuff like final crisis and multiversity the language of the multiverse of the 52 earths and how you travel is via musical chords yeah via music when when you travel like they did that in 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 multiplicity in the superman like they had mm, that they they had the song ship and everything and all stuff like Glenn morrison morrison stoner idea like oh it's all music yeah yeah i'm so glad that that's like 
kind of brought back into canon a little bit. It is. I really dig it. Also, too, we learn like the uh, like the danger phrase, the code phrase that the Trinity has for each other. If like ever anything's really bad, and for Superman, the phrase is "Carpe Diem," which is C and D for Clark and Diana, and also the chords of the "Na Na Na Batman" C and D. Yeah, and and as we find out, it's a kind of warning, not a not a rescue, not an SOS. It's a warning to stay away. Yeah, really cool, really cool stuff. Also, very fitting too, because Carpe Diem, of course, means seize the day, and in the end, the day is seized, but not the way you want it to be. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> we we learn a little bit about the Devastator in this book too, the Doomsday uh, Batman, ahead of his own little tie-in. We find out he's from an Earth where Batman shot himself full of Doomsday DNA in order to fight uh, a crazy Superman. Yeah, we saw, like, these panels, I think I think from New York Comic Con or just after that, where it's Batman fighting Superman, and he's got, like, a... It's kind of like a Bane belt. Like, he hit belt, and, and it injects him with the venom. And it's kind of like that with this Doomsday thing, and it turns him into Doomsday. Nice. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, those tie-ins have all been really cool. I'm interested to see what comes next from it. Yeah, I think Drowned is up next. Yes, yes it is. Yeah, and we got a hint of like who the Drowned is, and apparently it's Mera. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there was there was definitely some fun stuff here because you know they start off what is essentially the fetch quest for the rest of the event, and that is look, we all have one guy on our team who has connection to the metal, and we know by reading Gotham Resistance that you need Nth Metal to kill one of these Dark Knights, or else they'll just sap your power. So let's go on a weapon quest, essentially. Yeah, and each group has, like, their own person who's connected to the metal, so, like, Steel is now relevant again. <laughs> yes, yeah, because he has a, a freaking Nth Metal Hammer, why not? And Dr. Fate, boom, Nth Metal Helmet. Yeah, Dr. Fate's back as well, he's not, like, that kid from DCU anymore. No, no. I think, he, I think he's properly Kent Nelson or something. He is, he is, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I, I, I didn't read the Blue Beetle book, but I know he was a fixture in that for a minute. Oh, okay. And again, he's connected to magic, and he kind of helped. I love it. He saved everybody in this, much like he saved everybody in Injustice. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> took him to the tower. It's like writers realize, man, I need a really good deus ex machina here to get the heroes out of danger. Oh, fucking Dr. Fate. Yeah, he's got a special tower that no one could touch. Yeah, there you go. Good, good, good stuff. I like that. And then <laughs> Deathstroke just kind of saunters in out of nowhere. He's like, hey, bitches, I'm in this story now, too. Yeah, I just killed a Robin. <laughs> yeah, I do that. Also, I, I like this. This is the one thing that Scott Snyder actually gets a little wrong. He says, oh, Deathstroke has a Promethean suit and sword. No, he doesn't. He has a Promethean sword, but the suit is an icon suit. It's different than the suit he had before. He just got that in his new DC Rebirth series. Well, remember, this takes place before all the new stuff in DC Rebirth. It, it does. This is like this is like it's like DC Rebirth and then this event. It, it does, but he's wearing his new costume though in this. Ah, oh, maybe it was zero, an art zero mistake. Out zero out of ten. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was an art mistake, but he's wearing the new icon suit, and I'm like, ah, you're only half right. Yes, he does have <laughs> Promethean metal on him, but just the sword, not the suit. Time to Twitter abuse Scott Snyder. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because obviously that's how you fix any problem in the comic community, and that works for everybody. <laughs> Commentary on the comic multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. It, it's great, too, because they teamed Deathstroke up with Aquaman, which is a meeting I don't think I've never thought I wanted until I got it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I like when they're going down, he's like talking about, like, so, so what's the deal with mermaids? 
So if I wanted to fuck a mermaid, how would I go about that, Aquaman? He's like, please stop talking to me. Yeah, I'm about to commit, like, high treason. And Slade's like, look, man, I've fucked all the creatures of the land, so, you know, need to start branching out into the sea a little bit. I'm a sex offender, did you know that? (laughs) No, seriously, that's canon. They had a chance to change that, but they didn't. In fact, they doubled down on my being a sex offender. (laughs) How do you feel about that, Aquaman? All the people they teamed you up with, and they teamed you up with me. <laughs> but it's okay, because I'm a hero, though, in my new book. I found God. <laughs> or maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm just lying. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Metal was cool. I, I liked you because, and I'm sure you appreciated this, that it once again really establishes Superman as like the most important center of the DC universe. It does. He's very important. And also, like, one thing writers tend to forget, he's really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's yeah, the one he... who come up with the idea of using the Phantom Zone generator to permeate the membrane Jeez, of universes. And he's Jeez, like, oh, I'll, use, I'll use Flash because he has speed force. Yeah, he, he travels through different universes and travels through time all the time. If I use this and I use the anti-monitors and tinnitus, surely this will work. Yeah, and he it was kind right. of does, but but it doesn't. It's like it's like, man, Superman, you were right every step of the way, and that's where you fucked up. <laughs> it's because the Batman who last knew you would do that. That that's true. The Batman, uh, the Dark Knights, all along the way, they've known exactly what the heroes were going to do, and the heroes have acted perfectly in character all along. Mm, yeah. Like, they fuck over Batman because they knew he wasn't going to talk to his friends. They knew he was going to run ahead and try and fix it himself, which is how they were able to trap him. And they knew Superman would figure it out, but he would figure out the wrong part of it. Yeah, figure out it out of sequence. Yeah, it's like they knew, and that's how it worked. And I like they're saying, hey, we're trying to change the vibration of the Earth. And that's hard when we're just using everyday people. But if we had someone like Superman, who's incredibly powerful, we could do this in like an afternoon. Yeah, if we have someone like who's basically a living battery. Yeah, that's right, because he's full of solar energy. Mm-hmm. He is a giant human battery. He's the greatest Duracell of all time. <laughs> Duracell, man, he keeps going and going and going. <laughs> also, you gotta love two, three issues in, and we're fucked. Yeah, yeah, they're not fucking around. No, three issues in, the villains complete their plan. Yeah, and we still have, obviously, three issues left to go. We've got Batman lost, plus all the tie-ins. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, a lot, lot going on with this event. It's only been going for a little bit, but they've already gotten about as much out as an average event. Yeah, which, uh, I'm really interested to see what they've got left. Absolutely. And then, hey, while this is going on, I think we figured this out. This and Doomsday Clock are actually going to be going at the same time. Either the same time or like they're like an issue apart or something. I think Doomsday so. Clock starts on the November 22nd, and I think by then, most of Metal is up. I think it's probably got, like, maybe two issues left or something. Like, I think they were just going to miss it, but now because uh, Metal got delayed by, like, four weeks or something. Yeah. They're going to be happening around the same time, which is like, goddamn, DC just wants all our money, don't they? <laughs> oh, uh, they, they can have it. They've had really good ends. Yeah, right now. I mean, I don't think they've really had a stinker up until this point. Well, uh, Judas Contract was a bit of a stinker, but that was so forgettable, no one even remembers it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going off the original metal checklist, and it's probably going to be a couple of weeks later now, it's going to finish on the 14th of February next year. Right. Okay, then. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be with us for a bit, metal. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, so on that note, everybody, I guess we can start bringing the show down here. Uh, this was good, Matt. I like that we uh, got to dedicate so much time to TV and yet still talk comics. Yeah, there was a lot of good TV out, and there's still a lot to come. Yeah, for future reference, we'll have to do this again when there's like a dead no news time. Usually that's when we do Q&A or do a commentary, but we'll have to do another thing to keep up with TV. Yeah, definitely. And I thank you fans who wanted to return to Cape TV and wanted to hear me and Matt talk about television again. We did it. Yeah, people have been asking for it for a while. They've been really wanting it. People really, really seem to dig that, and I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. So, yeah, with that, everyone, we'll bring the show down to a close. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite. Check Matt and myself out on all our different social medias. Be sure to check down in the description of this very video. You'll find all sorts of ways to support Matt and myself, whether that means becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, thank you. Uh, someone who gave probably one of the most generous uh, donations yet to the Patreon. I won't out you, but you know who you are. I actually wrote you a special message there because <laughs> I was blown away by the generosity of it. So, uh, pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So yeah, thank you. Also, hey, if you're looking to buy some comic books and you don't want to pay a cent for shipping and handling, uh, use Book Depository. It's no joke Matt and mine's favorite place for getting comics. And if you use our link down in this very video, you'll be helping support us, and that's always appreciated. So you'll be getting something. We'll be getting something. It's all good. It is. It is Christmas coming up. Christmas coming up as well. So, yes. oh, yeah. buy, buy all your gifts via Book Depository is what we're saying. <laughs> everyone loves books. Everyone loves to read. Read it up. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and with that, everyone, I'm going to bring this one down. Thank you for watching. I've been Joel. I'm Matt. And we will see you all next week. Same comic multiverse time, same comic multiverse place. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.